0: Hello Greyhounds, welcome to Ted Lasso is Life, the podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Duong. I'm joined by my marvelous co-host, Chrisanne Morgan.
1: Hello all you Greyhounds.
0: And today we're here to talk about the season three finale, potentially series finale, entitled So Long, Farewell. Rebecca asks Ted to stay, but he still goes away. Roar and Jamie get into fisticuffs, but for Keeley, neither is enough. The wonder kid comes back, and Rupert becomes even more whack. AFC Richmond wins, but not the whole fucking thing. Colin celebrates with this fella, while Sam finally makes Team Nigeria. And in the worst outcome I feared, Jane Payne marries Coach Beard. Before we dive in, just a quick PSA. This discussion gets spicy at times, and that's because I had a lot of issues with the finale. So if you love the finale, and don't want to hear criticism about it, I suggest listening to just the AFC Richmond section, plus our awards and everything after it. Thanks. I feel like I watched a different finale than most people, because So Long Farewell overtook Man City as the top rated Ted Lasso episode ever on IMDb with a 9.5 rating, whereas I felt very unsatisfied with the finale. To use an analogy, for me the finale was like the Dutchman's little girl. It stumbled and fell flat at the end. Our producer Cam tweeted that her watch said her blood pressure was high, and if I had a smartwatch, it'd probably say the same thing too. How did you feel about it, Sam?
1: I enjoyed it. I think the only problems that I had, honestly, the rough parts emotionally for me was that it's ending. And I kind of feel like, and I don't know if anybody out there feels this way as well, but because Apple isn't telling us whether it's the very last episode of Ted Lasso forever of all time or not, that's a little weird because if you're watching something that's just the last in a series, that's a much different feeling than if it's just the last episode in a season. I found that a little bit weird to grapple with. And then with the two-hour late start time, I was just kind of a little bit off when I started watching it. But I think overall, now that I've processed and I've watched it three times, I'm going to give it two thumbs up. I really enjoyed it. I felt like it was very much a last episode. Like from the get-go, it was very much a last episode. And it was a little bit interesting to be pulled right into the goodbyes. Instead of seeing the actual process of the goodbyes, we just kind of get to see the aftermath. Well,
0: it's very on brand for this season where a lot of the important stuff happened off screen. And we have to use our own minds to kind of think what might have happened.
1: I don't hate that they did that. And again, I know that I have said that I want more. And I do, I do want more. In fact, I think I tweeted that. It would be really cool to see all of those moments we didn't get to see on screen as like a little mockumentary in the style of The Office, where somebody walks around with a camera and we get to see everything that happened. But I don't hate that we didn't get to see it. I'm not, I'm not angry about it because I feel, I just feel more curious and I tried to stay in that space. And then after reading some reviews and then reading Brendan's AMA on Reddit, I felt better because somehow
0: I felt worse.
1: Oh, wow. It actually comforted me because listening to a creator talk about what they wanted to give us made it feel a lot better than just being open to my own interpretation about it, I guess. And he did say, interestingly enough, that they are leaving it open. He said they're going to decompress and take a rest, and they're open to either spinoffs or that this is the very end. I mean, it really did feel complete. They wrapped everything up nicely. They gave us everything. And I'm actually not mad that Rebecca got back together with the Dutch boat guy. I think that'll be great for her.
0: So just putting this out there, uh, if there's a season four. We're taking uh, open calls for a new podcast co-host.
1: I'm go get a takeout menu so I can write my resignation. I really enjoyed the Dutch guy and Rebecca. I really did. I thought that he was wonderful for her. I did have a friend actually text me saying that he had wished that Rebecca had more agency in finding him, like actually decided to go back and make contact with him again, rather than just having it be that kind of stereotypical meet cute at the airport. Interestingly, Brendan confirmed that the actress that played his daughter was also young Rebecca.
0: That part didn't make any sense to me at all. Why would it be the same girl?
1: He said magic. That was his answer. That was the answer he gave, and I'm content to just allow it. It's not to say that I don't have anything else that I I wanted from the episode that I didn't get. There were a couple of things that I wanted, but I feel really okay with the way that they wrapped everything up for us. I feel like they gave us the catharsis. I feel like they brought everybody home. I feel like I understand now, looking at everything about the connections And I feel like they did what they set out to do. I feel like season three, you know, was a little bit wonky and a little bit all over the place. But again, I feel like I should say, I trusted the writers to give us what they wanted to give us. And I I feel like they did. I also didn't have a lot of expectations. So that probably helped me out a little bit. But I will say, holy crap, did they troll us so hard at the beginning. I have big brothers who were constantly doing stuff like that to me growing up, so it was a familiar feeling, but I was a little bit annoyed that they were like, ha ha ha, Ted Becker shippers, nope. I wasn't ready for it to happen that soon anyway.
0: It could have been literally the final episode of the series. If that's too soon to happen, then when would it happen?
1: Maybe the truth is, is that I really just like Ted and Rebecca better as platonic soulmates. Maybe I'm learning that I'm in the group that loves them together and thinks that they're totally soulmates, but doesn't need to have them make out or have sex about it. I am salty about Roy and Keeley, but not salty about Ted and Rebecca.
0: So first the finale event in LA got canceled. Then they pushed back the finale three hours. Then I didn't like the finale. Now I find out my co-host the whole time who said she loved Ted Becca actually does not like what a week what a week.
1: It's not that I don't like them. I was completely honest when I said that I was a total Ted Becca shipper. But then as it unfolded, they it just didn't feel that way. You know what I mean? I didn't see them coming together in the ways that you would if you were going to be romantic with someone. So it didn't seem like a giant letdown to me. And hey, anything can happen. Brendan said that in his AMA. If it is the very last episode, though, that we get I'm really grateful. And I was thinking about that Ted quote from Goodbye Earl, when he says, it's funny to think about things in your life that can make you cry just knowing that they existed, can then become the same thing that makes you cry knowing that they're now gone. I think these things come into our lives to help us get from one place to a better one. And I really believe that about Ted Lasso. When you think about where we started, they started in the midst of a massive pandemic where we were all stuck in our homes and then they took us through the pandemic and now the pandemic is over. So it feels, it feels right that they ended it. It feels right that they wrapped it up now that the emergent pandemic is, is finished and we're all moving on. It feels, it feels kind of like they got us as a collective from a really tough place to a better place we had a change in presidency here in the United States. And we were at the very most awful part of it when the show came out. And then now we're kind of coming back. So it feels like just like Ted did with the Greyhounds, the show kind of took us all as you know, from one place to a better place.
0: I definitely feel that way too. But my disappointment about the finale is definitely clouding over that.
1: So is it really just about Ted and Rebecca not getting together romantically? Is that the crux of your upset?
0: I'm sure a lot of our listeners think that. It's like, oh, Kevin, come on. It's just Ted Becca. What about everything else? I actually had issues with almost everything else as well. So how about we get into it?
1: Let's dig in, baby. Let's dig in.
0: Well, Ted did not look like Ted at all for most of that episode.
1: You know, Brenton said something about that in his AMA, and I'm going to refer back to him and what he said on Reddit a lot because I felt like it made a lot of sense. And it makes sense to me. Um, At first, I was in the same boat as you. I was like, wow, Ted's being so not Ted-like. But if you're leaving a place that you really love, that you found this extended family and you have this amazing job and you know that you need to leave it, I think he was probably just in a place of protecting himself. So as somebody who has moved far away and had to say goodbye to people, sometimes it can be really sad and you play your cards kind of close to your chest. But what I will also say is that I feel like Ted has come a long way and he also did a lot of work with Dr. Sharon and it feels like he maybe made that shift where he didn't feel like he needed to be cheery and cheerful, even though something was hard, you know? So I kind of liken that to Ted's less ebullient self. And I also feel like for the last several episodes, he was kind of stepping back a little bit in order to let them know that they would be fine on their own without him. That's how I interpreted that. Remember, you're also dealing with the person who tends to see things half full and optimistic and hopeful.
0: You say that he deliberately stepped back the past few episodes, but he didn't even know until the very end of last episode that he was going to go home. So
1: We don't know when Ted actually knew. I mean, when you think about it from the very beginning of the season, Ted wanted to go home. You saw that when he was asking Beard whether they should still stay in England and what their purpose was for being there. I think he's been questioning it all season long
0: so i guess it kind of goes to how much does something emulate real life versus what is kind of true to the story to how the character's been the sound and music thing we know ted loves grand gestures and he loves musicals like we saw how excited he was about that whole ending thing and how mad he was that they couldn't do it for dr sharon so you think he would have loved that whole sound and musical bit that the team did for him and like it barely registered on his face
1: But he did say that it was perfect. I don't think we were gonna get Ted breaking down in tears at all. I just don't think he was gonna be able to do that because I also feel like knowing who Ted is as a person
0: I wasn't talking that emotional end of the spectrum. I was figured he'd have like a much bigger smile, maybe like a fist pump, yell like, Oh Yahoo or some shit like that. Like but like I said, barely registered on his face
1: take that from his response at all. In fact, I think because I was viewing the whole thing through the eyes of somebody who has had to say goodbye to people, it just kind of looked to me like he was just kind of playing it close to the chest. And the reason, I'm just gonna finish my point, my earlier point, I feel like the reason that we didn't get more emotional response from Ted this episode is also because that's how he learned how to be. He learned to just pretend that he was okay going through stuff. But I do feel like his work with Dr. Sharon definitely helped him be a little bit less chipper about it all. Because maybe people pleaser Ted would have been like, oh my God, that was so great and tried to sell it a little bit more. But in my mind, the way that Ted responded made it seem, and I could be completely wrong about this. Obviously we all interpret art from our perspective in life. It looked like he was a little melancholy about leaving these amazing guys and they're so great, but he's got to go. So he's kind of like, Shutting it down, shutting it. I mean, I definitely took that from his scene with Rebecca.
0: I was just about to go there. You said art is very interpretive.
1: Yes, it's very interpretive.
0: In the stadium scenes with Rebecca, Rachel on Twitter pointed out that Rebecca said 196 words. Ted, three. There's a numerical example for you there.
1: Yeah, well, that's really interesting. You would think that our loquacious, mustachioed man would have spoken more. But, you know, there's also the resolve of somebody who is set on a path that they're not willing to break from because they know it's the right thing to do. And even if he did want to stay, because, you know, he questioned that later when he was on the plane with Beard, he knows the right thing in his heart to do is not to leave Henry fatherless. And I think that he's just really resolved to go back home and be the father that he knows he wants to be because he doesn't want to leave Henry in the same predicament that he was left in by his dad. I mean, so many layers, so many, so many layers. In your mind, Kevin, what would you have wanted Ted to do? How would you have wanted Ted to behave all episode? Tell me. If you had it all your way and you could go back and rewrite it, the Kevin Duong director's cut of Ted Lasso, season three, episode 12. What would that look like? Tell us. I want to know.
0: The things that normally would make him happy, he should show more signs of happiness. And for things that would make him sad, he should show more signs of sadness. Feels pretty simple.
1: That's pretty straightforward. And I will say the first time through watching it, Ted was noticeably and kind of oddly just downplayed, like very more low-key than we're used to seeing Ted. So it was a change. I did note it. But then, you know, my brain does what it does and you want to justify and understand and do all the interpretive things that we do about the things that we take in. And so I feel like my mind wanted to rationalize that a lot
0: maybe part of this is the ted becca shipper in me but the fact that ted didn't even consider rebecca's offer to stay that bothered me so kaz on twitter pointed out that if he was made one of the highest paid managers in the premier league he'd be making 20 million pounds a year and like rebecca said henry could go to the best schools in the world and we know that michelle loves paris so she could just be like a train w- right away And he didn't even take a second to consider any of that.
1: As a parent, I'm just going to offer the counterpoint to that, that ripping Henry out of his world so that Ted could stay on with Richmond wasn't something that Ted seemed to want to do as a parent.
0: Every time we've seen Henry in London, he's seemed like he's enjoyed it a lot, though. Would you agree with that?
1: Sure, because he's on vacation. And again, I'm not trying to tell you that you're wrong. I'm just trying to say, from my perspective as a parent, ripping your kid out of their world maybe didn't seem like an an option for Ted. You know, if he and Ted were, if he and Michelle, rather, if he and Michelle were together, that would seem kind of like a more reasonable thing to do in my mind. Because if as a family unit, they all were to move together and they were to stay out there for this fun family work adventure and Ted gets to go do be a coach in the Premier League for several years and then they come back to the States. But it seems a little bit unreasonable to have your ex wife come live in another country for you so you can have a job opportunity. I mean, notwithstanding.
0: Even getting the child support at $20 million a year, I think that she might maybe reconsider that too.
1: I don't know if I would be willing to move to another country for my ex just because he's making a lot of money and relocate without being in a relationship with him, just as someone who's been there. I don't think I would do that. Those are some of the things I'm sure that we are left to decide for ourselves. And as a a parent with a blended family with an ex, it's just, it makes sense to me, Ted's choice, even though it's very disappointing and I wanted him to stay.
0: Yeah. And not just for Rebecca, like, obviously, with all the players that he's turned into greater people, Jamie, Sam, just to name a few, not to mention his bestie, Beard, is staying in London. So that's the flip side of things. In Kansas, I don't know that much about custody agreements, but in general, he's probably not seeing Henry every day, right?
1: It depends. You know what I mean? It really depends.
0: Well, like, I bring this up because... A lot of people on Twitter, they seem like really convinced that Ted would only see him like every weekend, every other weekend.
1: Like for me, we do, we have 50-50 and my kid goes to their dad for a week and then for me and then to me for a week. And that's different from when they were younger. Now that they're a little bit older, it's a little bit easier for them, but it just makes it a lot easier for them to not have to switch houses a bunch. So there's a lot of gray area there. It's hard to say how much Henry will be seeing Ted because we just don't know. We weren't given that information. The bottom line, though, is that Ted wanted to be there with Henry.
0: Yeah, but he has pretty much nothing else besides Henry. Like I mentioned, Beard State in London. Obviously, the team's there. His mother, as we discussed last last week, can be pretty toxic. And of course, he's divorced from his ex-wife. So what adult humans is he talking to besides Henry?
1: Well, you're making Ted's life really small. If Ted is the great guy that we know him to be, and he ingratiated himself with Rebecca Welton, who originally hired him because she thought he was a big asshole and a fool, and they became so close, then how many people do you think can resist the Ted Lasso? I mean, he probably has friends. His life probably is pretty big. Who knows? That's another thing that we don't know, but I'm not going to assume that.
0: Maybe he needs some more uh, poop candy bars from Ronnie Fouch.
1: That was really wrong of his mom to tell everybody that story. I just, as a parent, I'm never going to do that to my kid. I'm never going to tell the worst story about them. And honestly, because they've left it kind of open and they haven't just slammed the door shut, I'm not really worried about that not being wrapped up.
0: See, I feel like that's really pie in the sky thinking. Like, this really seems like a lightning in a bottle situation to me. Like, to be able to realign all this schedules and people's interests change over time like i don't want to sound pessimistic but i would be pretty surprised if they could get the whole cast back together for another season or spinoff whatever it is
1: i think you're right about that it's never going to be the same as the first two seasons of ted lasso was it's never going to be like that again it is lightning in a bottle you're absolutely right but i like that they didn't shut the door on the on the lasso verse
0: You mentioned it's open-ended. That's another thing I didn't like about Ted's ending. Like the fact that Jake wasn't at the game would imply that Michelle's no longer with him. But with Michelle literally opening the door when Ted returns, then it's like they're opening up the ambiguity that Ted could actually go back to Michelle, which I think would be some pretty big steps backward considering all the growth he's had.
1: I read Brendan's answer to that question that Jake is out of the picture, but that Ted and Michelle, even though they're ambiguous, are probably not back together. So that made me feel a little bit better because I think that would be a mistake for Ted and Michelle to get back together.
0: Not every Ted Lasso fan's reading that Reddit. So like, why couldn't they just made it clear?
1: That's a really good question. I think there's only so much you can cram into one episode of television. And I think given the time that they took with it, I mean, 75 minutes for an originally half hour show is is a lot of time to to wrap everything up. I mean, we had so much extra bonus time. And I think that they did as good a job as anybody could with wrapping everything up the way that they wrapped it up, which is probably why they leapt forward and left some things unsaid and happened off screen.
0: I know it's totally in Ted's character do it and it makes sense in terms of potential spin-off that they could call it the Richmond way, but we all know in our hearts that is the lasso way, right?
1: Yes. It is definitely the lasso way. Well, I'm totally divided though.
0: Richmond's been around for like hundred and twenty five years and they've done fuck all until Ted came. Like in the very first episode, Rebecca said that all they've known is mediocrity. And then in the last episode, Arlo said that all they've known is mediocrity.
1: Richmond aside, I'm going to take it kind of to the zoomed out view. It's always been an ensemble show. And so it's not just about Ted. It's about Ted and his effect on everybody around him. And so it's not really about Ted. I mean, when you think about it, it's been about all of these other beautiful people that we've gotten to meet and get to know. I think Rebecca said the thing that's on all of our minds is that it's not that she doesn't want to talk about Ted leaving. It's just that it's hard to accept that he's not coming back. And the way that everybody in the cast has talked about it and the way that, I mean, they've all just said goodbye. The sets are done. Everything is done. Having it be less ambiguous would have been easier to kind of take in.
0: Another criticism some people have had about Ted's ending is that they just kind of make him seem like a Mary Poppins, like kind of a device to make everyone better and less of a character himself.
1: That definitely is a parallel I can see. Yeah, for sure. And that Rebecca was Mr. Banks all along, for sure, for sure. And I don't think that's inaccurate. I think that that could absolutely be a theme.
0: All right, let's talk about that final shot because there seems to be some differing opinions on that as well. Do you think Ted looked happy? I don't.
1: Oh, I think Ted was gutted. I think leaving Rebecca was really, really hard. I mean, when you think about walking away.
0: Sorry to clarify, I'm talking about like the literal last shot where he just finished coaching Henry and he's like looking to the camera and then that music starts playing.
1: I think he looked neutral. He definitely didn't look like he was expressing a lot of emotion
0: for sure. He has a smile on his face, but the eyes, they're they're not really lighting up as they usually are.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like to an extent, that's kind of how Ted was for a lot of the season. You know, he's kind of seemed a little less ebullient in season three
0: yeah back to the final shot some people joke that he kind of looks like a guy in an antidepressant commercial where the just before they're about to list the side effects so for those of you who are aren't american who haven't seen these type of drug commercials they have there usually it'll start with like really happy looking kind of sequence and then it kind of slow down and zoom in on the person and says oh this drug may cause blah 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 but yeah interesting couple interesting notes on that final shot Corey on Twitter pointed out that the music is the exact same as the final shot for Nate in season two and of course Nate ended up coming back not saying that Ted's coming back because of that but also, Nate kind of went in a direction physically and emotionally that wasn't really him. So, by using the same music, do you think they could be signifying that as well?
1: I wish I could say I had any guess because they say that they have told the story. They maintain that that is the original three arc or three year arc that they wanted to tell, and it's complete. I'm going to quote Brendan directly on Reddit. His pat answer was that we don't know. We need to take a break. I'm sorry, we need a break and we'll take one presently. Nothing has been ruled out. Everything is possible, but that includes the possibility that we're done. We won't know until we've sat with it for a while and decompressed. We shall see what's going on and what's happening. But for me, I'm going to carry on as though this is the very last Ted Lasso that I will see unless I go back and rewatch the episodes they've already given us. And if anything happens in the future, it's just going to be frosting on the cake. Which brings me to a little side quest question for you, Kevin. We haven't talked about it, but should we do a rewatch series and comment on all of the episodes up until now? I'm putting him on the spot, everybody. Let's see how he responds.
0: Let's wait till the end of this episode first.
1: Yeah, I might get tossed out on my ear. I forgot.
0: So another note on the song they used, a few people on Twitter looked into the meaning and said from the album liner notes the subject of the song is the singer's regret about not taking the attitude of not fighting to an extreme and by the end of the song realizes he's made a mistake and sometimes a person has no choice as unpleasant as it may be to surrender to every conflict that challenge he finds is worse than getting beaten up i'm just interpreting their interpretation but feels like they think that the song choice matches ted's demeanor in that last shot that is kind of like Doing it because he has to and not really that he wants to, perhaps?
1: I think Ted wants to. I do think Ted wants to. Somebody countered with, instead of using the song Father and Son, they could have used Cats in the Cradle, which was about a dad never really being there for his son. So that was a funny little thing. But I feel like the sense of honor and duty that dads have, and especially that I think Ted has to raise his son in person, all we know is that he had to go back. And his intention was just to go back and stay with Henry. In my mind's eye, he is going to wake up maybe one day and try to figure out how to go back. I don't know, but that's just the happy place in my mind where I think about Ted going back.
0: I would also like to note that Hannah Waddingham, talking to the LA Times, shared a similar interpretation to myself and some of the other fans that Ted did not look happy in the final shot. She said that, You do see sadness in his eyes the whole episode. He's made an absolutely definitive decision. But is it fully joyful? I don't believe it is. And I think that's much more compelling. You agree with her?
1: I totally agree. I feel like their goodbye in the airport, like there was so much that they didn't say to one another because of where they were, and there was so much pent up that I don't think they were able to get into. And maybe there was a sense of not wanting to open that floodgate.
0: Brendan's literal words, worried about opening the floodgates when they're the ones who built this storm of a Ted Becker ship.
1: That, I feel like, because he said that they never really seriously considered Ted Becker as Endgame, I don't think that what they built, though, was intended. Then what I think that they were building, that we all interpreted to be romantic, was just some really cool synchronicities between friends. You know, like, that's one of the reasons they get along so well. Unexpectedly, these two completely different people who had some really formative experiences in their lives that were so much the same. I definitely trust them that that's the truth. And I feel like all of the commonality and all of the things that we saw were just kick-ass platonic soulmate stuff.
0: Well, you admitted that the kitchen scene in the beginning was trolling.
1: I did feel like they were poking us intentionally. I do. I did feel like they were kind of uh, fucking with us a bit there.
0: So if they didn't intend to, they somehow did a good job of making it seem like they were connected because Twitter user Lindsay posted a 125 connections they had and she didn't even do the final episode yet 125 connections.
1: Here's what I love about this fandom. I love that we all watch it with these eagle eyes and are so passionate about it. The thing that I have kept in mind is not that they're trying to hurt us or upset us. They're just telling the story that they want to tell
0: i'll counter that with this tweet from Susanna nix who is an award-winning contemporary romance author that scene in rebecca's kitchen was straight up mocking the audience there was no reason for it to be there except as a big middle finger to everyone who bought into the romance setup the writers deliberately seeded into the show this is coming from a romance writer not just like some random fan she uses the tropes the setups the structures in her novels presumably so she knows what's what
1: but i would counter to that, that because she's a romance writer, there's no other way for Ted and Rebecca to exist together than other than romantically. I kind of like it that they weren't just thrown into the romantic soup together. I like that they're platonic soulmates because I find that more compelling.
0: Does it matter if the characters don't know that they were soulmates? Like the funeral episode, they made this epic cutscene about how they were connected with the same traumas on September 13th, 1991. She waited for Ted to come to carry her through the song. Hannah said herself in an interview, it had to be Ted. What the fuck was the point of all that then?
1: Because sometimes you have friends that are there for you in really specific ways, right? It had to be Ted because Ted was helping her get over Rupert and all of that stuff.
0: Do you know any friend who would bake biscuits for you every single day?
1: Yeah, I actually do.
0: (laughs) Well, congrats on being really loved, Chrisanne Morgan.
1: (laughs) well if you knew what my friends did for me when i was first in the hospital
0: so the biscuits were obviously a big thing like he left without even like giving her the fucking recipe (laughs) okay so you say the funeral thing yeah like some people they just come through for you what's the point of teasing the rickshaw not not now maybe someday the people who played them the stand-ins on the rickshaw specifically posted on instagram that they were supposed to be stand-ins for ted and rebecca
1: that I don't really have an answer for. I'm just going on them saying that they never really they weren't writing about Ted Becker's endgame and I'm just trusting them to be telling the truth.
0: So then why would Jason say that Ted Lasso is essentially what if Nora Ephron wrote a sports film? They had an entire episode dedicated to rom communism. We've gone over all of the You've Got male references they've made. There's talk about guardian angels, invisible strings with the soulmates. Like, what is the point of all that then? Not all that can specifically be categorized as to just friends helping friends. Like I mentioned the Rom Communism episode. They had a reference to when Harry met Sally with the old couple in the stands talking about how they got together. They brought them back for this episode. Even when Rebecca came to meet him at the airport, if they're not romantic soulmates, there is zero need for Ted to call it out. Oh, this is like a rom-com leave cute. Like, there is no reason for that. You're just fucking with part of your audience at that point.
1: And I will agree with you. But here's what I was just thinking. It feels like the Ted-Rebecca thing is almost like another whole story and another whole thing. You know what I mean? Like,
0: What would they have to shift
1: well, it would be really good if Rebecca wasn't Ted's boss, for one.
0: Like, compared to Jack and Keely and then Rebecca with Sam, this is like stup- super clean cut.
1: Their feelings or their potential romantic connections are definitely a lot more solid, I will say that. But the fact remains that Rebecca is his boss, so that gets a little ethically...
0: Yeah, what I what I was trying to say was, compared to those, it seems like a lot less...
1: I mean, I'll be honest, I was totally thinking that even though the morning thing wasn't Ted being with Rebecca, and then when they were in the stadium together, they weren't admitting any feelings to one another. And then at the airport, I was like, all right.
0: Well, Rebecca pretty much said essentially everything, but I like you. I love you. Like, she was literally willing to sell the entire team The great relationship she has with Keeley and Higgins probably wouldn't see much again if she sold the entire team, all just for Ted.
1: I didn't feel like that was for Ted. I felt like that was more for herself because she couldn't see herself doing it and being there without him. I don't think that was for him. But you're right, it does definitely signal on her part that she has a lot of care and love for Ted.
0: That's the thing, until this Reddit, it was never really in stone anywhere that they did not plan to do Ted Becca. It was always wait and see, wait and see what we do.
1: That is very true. I just want to still feel really good about the show, so... I think i'm doing my best just to accept the reality that they left us with
0: okay so you said you said you're happy with rebecca and the dutch guy we had three seasons of ted lasso 34 episodes probably what thousands of minutes we saw him for like 20 we barely know anything about the guy and most importantly he knows almost nothing about rebecca the whole series rebecca has been going from recovering from her divorce with rupert and then trying to look for love from herself Do you not think it's a bit of a disservice to just kind of throw this guy in there at the end that we know nothing about? And like I said, more importantly, he knows nothing about Rebecca.
1: Well, it's not like they sent them off to get married.
0: But he was conveniently in that montage with the cookout at the Higgins. This is another problem of not saying if it's the season or series finale. If it's the season finale, I would be a hell of a lot more forgiving about a lot of it. But because I don't know, I have to assume the worst and that it's over. And that's why I'm pretty pissed.
1: It is really hard to kind of discern what's what if we don't know if it's one or the other. And they did leave some things completely in the air for us. They really did. We don't know what's going on with Rebecca. But I did like him for her. I mean, he was the Dutch Ted Lasso, right? They had such a great connection then I don't object to them having a romantic fling. Would I prefer that she was with Ted? Of course I do. Things are as they are.
0: If a Ted and Rebecca endgame was never considered seriously, why would they just not introduce the Dutch guy earlier? Or instead of Sam being the banter match, it could have been Ted, and you mentioned the whole boss thing being kind of weird, then he could have been like, oh boss, this is weird, you're my boss, we can't do this. Then you just end that, it's over. They literally strung this shit out till almost the very last minute. Sorry Chris, that kind of feels like I'm interrogating you with questions you can't answer, but this is just...
1: I'm not entirely against you either.
0: To be clear, I totally would have been okay if Ted and Rebecca didn't end up together if they made it clear that they weren't going to be a thing earlier. And even if they didn't do that with their final encounter at the airport, all they said together was like, tearful, thank you, like, Both of them meant a lot more to each other than just a simple thank you. Like Lasso Fiasco, who's had some really interesting and great takes on on the finale, said that instead of ending with them saying thank you to each other, do call back with Rebecca emotionally saying, you're a godsend, Ted Lasso. And Ted says, takes one to know one. Or
1: even instead of just doing like all of the romantic comedy tropes, maybe they could have shown them talking about it
0: so that's another thing that bothered me the truth bomb was so important that ted had to call it out to the audience in season two and then last episode rebecca had to remind us oh it's that time of year but like most of the things in this season they don't show a shit. if they're not platonic or they are that would be a perfect time to show it
1: that would have been a great way to show it yeah for sure I honestly just feel like they ran out of time i think they were racing against the clock to get everything done
0: so i asked the question to some people would telasso have ended up differently if bill lawrence didn't leave so in season one he was the sole showrunner in season two he said that he split with jason and in season three it was purely jason because bill left to do shrinking you respond to me that it would be different for sure so would this be an instance where it might have been different if he was here
1: I do long for the days of early Ted Lasso when everything, like, and I used to, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but I used to marvel at the way that they told the story and the way that so much would happen in an episode, but it was so tight, like it cornered on rails. And I don't feel like season three had that same structure.
0: Another reason why I found Ted and Rebecca's final encounter at the airport underwhelming was if you've seen Hannah's speech where she won her Emmy, she was a lot more emotion and passionate than just a thank you. She said, Jason, you've changed my life with this and more importantly, my baby girl's life, and I will fucking work for you as long as you'll let me, which is a lot more than just thank you.
1: Well, that's a totally different situation as well, right? I mean, when they were at the airport, it was more about what they weren't saying than what they actually were saying. I think there are a bunch of people who really just enjoyed it at face value because that's the way that they take in their entertainment.
0: Yeah, like I mentioned how highest rated Teleso episode ever on Twitter, where I would argue the super diehard fans are like, I've said before that there are people who think about this show a lot more than I do, like morning, afternoon, evening, midnight, all the time.
1: It's definitely interesting to me the divide that's happening over the finale.
0: Before we even got into Ted Becca, we already had differing views on how we think Ted is going to be. Like I think he's going to be miserable in Kansas when he's not with Henry, you think he'll be fine.
1: Oh No, actually, I think I alluded to the fact that I am hoping that he misses Richmond terribly and that he ends up going back. I think it will. I think we should all just stay curious and not judgmental and wait to find out what happens. And then we can say yes they shortchanged me.
0: So to talk about Rebecca a bit, without making it Ted related, although I suppose this was kind of a point I made about with Ted, I was going to say I was pretty shocked that she was willing to sell the entire team. Like I mentioned, if she did, she probably wouldn't see Keeley or Higgins as much anymore. I think that
1: when you're faced with somebody important to you departing and your whole world seems to get turned on its ear a little bit a lot of things go through your mind in response to it and she sold shares in the team to the to the fans which i thought was such a beautiful thing
0: especially how may and the pub lads got shares and we learned their their full names
1: their names they're all flowers and may's name was green like she was their little gardener and taking after them looking after them i thought that was lovely
0: watering them with beer
1: Watering them with beer, yes, indeed, and her care and concern. And that they called Rebecca the mom they never had. It's like having a mom. I thought that was so sweet.
0: Also pretty interesting how both Ted and Rebecca's mothers decided to blow off important matches for their children for seemingly random things.
1: Well, I mean, I think we can all agree that Deborah is not the best mother. And it was so disconcerting to me because I had been watching Succession seeing her in the same day play two different mothers
0: that's harriet walter from the audience
1: harriet walter yes harriet walter the amazing
0: apparently she had the same advice uh for both sets of children on both shows to just sell
1: sell take the money and run but i really don't think there's any question that that deborah could be mistaken for an excellent mother but funny I am going to say that I am somewhat disappointed in the red herrings of the green matchbook and the green matchbox, you know, the green army man. There were some things that they left out that they didn't give us that I was like, what?
0: We didn't really get thunder and lightning unless you consider the Dutchman to be the lightning.
1: Right. Struck by lightning. Yeah. So, you know, I feel like there were several red herrings. In the episode and maybe the entire series when we're talking about ted becca i love that rebecca is so over the rupert thing that she felt completely comfortable walking up to him and giving him a hello hug and a kiss on the cheek just the way her mom kind of said you can't let these people know that they get to you i feel like her evolution came full circle and she is just totally all right with it now I loved her arc. I loved everywhere she went. And I really do hope they open up a women's league. That would be amazing. They really did leave us with a lot more questions than they answered. I think even though.
0: You can't say you love the finale and then literally say they left more questions than answers. I mean, bruv, you're killing me.
1: It's not that I didn't love what they gave us. It's that I always want more. It doesn't mean that I don't love the finale that I watched. I mean, it was very finale too. It just felt very finale. I enjoyed the great moments that they gave us and I have some questions about things that they didn't give us answers to. But that's a, you know, that's been my rallying cry for the entirety of season three is that I want more.
0: So on that note, over to Nate, his arc fittingly ended with even more off-screen moments at the beginning when we find out that he's not assistant kit man but assistant to the kit man it feels like there are some scenes missing in between that as well from when beard says monday 10 a.m to this like coming back for the first time there would probably be like a lot of feelings he's having and it would be pretty interesting to see on both sides how they react sure say that unanimous but when he actually comes in like do they actually react like that it's unanimous i thought i had was if they did this type of scene, a fun way would be he walks in and everyone just like gives him a side eye or like the silent treatment and then after like 10 seconds they burst into laughter and they give him like a giant group hug like they did in season 2 when he apologized for bullying Colin. Like that would been perfect head lasso we way to bring Nate back but no, we don't get that.
1: I did love they finally got around to allowing Nate to say sorry and it was so compressed and there was so much we didn't get to see but
0: That was another big issue I have. See, not just Ted Becca that I had issues with. In terms of sequence of events, going into work, you think that he would have seen Ted before he apologized to him, but it seemed like that he was with the team first and then that apology came later.
1: Yeah, it was actually, I think, at the end of his first day back and he was staying late. I mean, the scene itself was gorgeous. It made me cry for all of the reasons, you know, pointing up at the missing belief sign the way he apologized to Ted was very touching. And it made me cry. I thought it was lovely. And Nick Muhammad is so amazing.
0: Yeah, so exactly. Like last week, we talked about how he mentioned this 60 page apology letter that we're going to get. He had like seven words, and most of them were sorry, no context for what he's apologizing for. So then some people are like, they're almost like retconning it to make it seem like that. He's apologizing for ripping down the sign because they're just looking at the sign the whole time when I feel at least the bigger issue was outing his medical information to the press. That is not discussed once throughout this entire arc or season from Nate. We say on this podcast all the time, accountability matters. There should have been accountability for that, some consequences. And we talked about Dr. Jake before, how unethical that was. Like Nothing came out of that either.
1: I mean, they did actually address it on the show. I mean, when Ted was talking about it in Diamond Dogs because of the 18 month rule, I guess, remember when I said some outlandish thing about that I was wrong about, I guess the timeline that they're giving them was 20 months after they stopped couples therapy and 18 months is the required length of time that you have to go without dating your therapist. So it's not all that bad. It may be a little bit creepy and we didn't like Dr. Jake Brendan was saying in his AMA that they went with that. And then, you know, suspension of disbelief, all those things. But they really didn't think that they need to address it much more. I don't really have an issue with that either. Like, I don't, I don't really, I'm not offended by the fact that they didn't explain it more because it's a comedy.
0: That's the thing. Like, by the time Ted Lasso ended, people joked that it turned into like an HBO drama.
1: Yes. A lot of people say that on the internet. I did like seeing Nate happy in the restaurant with his dad and seeming to have a nice conversation with his dad where he was smiling, I like.
0: Speaking of smiling, Jade looked happier in that one scene than like her entire series combined.
1: Yeah, maybe. It didn't strike me as unusual or anything like that.
0: No, but like, can you remember the last time Jade flashed a smile?
1: I know she smiled at Nate in the restaurant. I know there have been some smiles, but yeah, I mean, she's just kind of like not the smiley, smiley girl. She's, She's Jade. I feel like Nate gluing the believe sign together...
0: Kintsugi style.
1: Kintsugi style. Yes. With mucilage that we see him painting on was so beautiful and then putting it up and just the hilarious sight gag of him sitting on Roy's shoulders to put it back up.
0: And then Roy rubbing a shoulder afterwards.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought that was great. And I need one of those warm up jackets. I love those new warm up jackets. Are you listening? Universe, WB, I need one of those jackets.
0: So at a basic level, we need season four just so that we can purchase these new warm-up jackets.
1: I think it's clear that they just need to come back and do a season four and and give us all the answers.
0: So yeah, as much as I didn't like how much they didn't show for Nate's arc and the sequence of the apology and then doing a lot, lot less than those 60 pages promised, I'll say that as soon as Nate started crying, I was fucking bawling because Nick is just an amazing actor.
1: I know, he's so good. And then I also really enjoyed the fact that they had a meeting of the diamond dogs and Nate got to jump up and sit on the bookshelf and then we get the 11th hour surprise.
0: Not a surprise since I predicted it.
1: Roy became a diamond dog and it made me so very happy. It was really great. Although what he said about himself broke my heart a little bit. And I love that Higgins came through in the clutch with the most profound answer and such a smart and compassionate and right on perfect answer.
0: Higgins is the wisest of the tall Yodas, isn't he?
1: He is indeed very, very wise. And you have to love that Jeremy Swift. He's such such a smart, smart guy and beautiful actor.
0: So we have Roy Kent, newest Diamond Dog member, one of Dr. Sharon's newest patients, and the newest manager of AFC Richmond. What do we think about all of that?
1: I really love it. I love it because Roy is getting the help that he needs. He was just completely vulnerable. He asked, can I be a diamond dog? And that's such a big transition for Roy, who had to go through lots of evolution to get to that point, to actually ask for help. And I thought that was pretty outstanding. I'm really, really so glad to see Roy's growth and him being more open. I mean, he actually cried. He cried on the pitch after watching the video that Beard put together, just like the rest of the team. Our man is growing by leaps and bounds. It's wonderful.
0: He also cried during the You've Got Males screening last week.
1: Speaking of the rom-communism of it all, a thought occurred to me today that because in When Harry Met Sally, they don't get together for a very, very long time. Maybe that's true for Ted and Rebecca too. I mean, they both get serious with other people. And then about 10 years in, that's when they finally find each other and get back together. After a lifelong, very deep friendship where they explore just being platonic friends for the longest time, then after so many years pass, they get back together. I'm holding that in my heart as a possibility for my Ted-Becca shipness. I know I've been wavering a little bit during this episode and even risked getting fired from the pod, but I want you to know that I still love the Ted and Rebecca as endgame idea. I do. I'm not mad about where they left it, but I still I still want Ted and Rebecca to get together someday. My silly little romantic heart just wants it.
0: I hope you're not sore from straddling that fence so hard.
1: I guess I deserve that, but you know I can want more than one thing, right? I can, I can, I contain multitudes, Kevin. Really, be okay with the ending that they gave us, and still think about Ted and Rebecca together. I can, I can do it.
0: Like I said, many things bothered me, but the bar scene with Rory and Jamie—what the fuck, bruv?
1: Yeah, I. I think we all could have lived without them turning that into a love triangle situation. I mean, they did need to have the Keely talk, right? I mean, I do feel like that was necessary.
0: Do they? The the series is like practically over and they seem just fine without it.
1: I mean, you can't really blame Jamie for still wanting Keely. I mean, now that he is such a great guy, he would have been perfect.
0: They could have done it without degrading it into a pissing contest. Like, it was such a great moment when he went to Keeley's house and tried to take the blame for the video leaking. Because like, oh, because my password was password and all that. So then this just kind of almost throws that out the fucking window when he's trying to rub it into Roy's face that the video was for him.
1: Yeah, that was a low blow.
0: Jamie's growth... Up until this episode i would probably say it was like pitch perfect no notes and then they had to tarnish it with that blot at the end like i just thought that was really unnecessary
1: yeah i agree with you there i just chalked it up to boys being dumb and apparently that's what brendan said about it too men are stupid is obviously an oversimplified reaction to it all. I'm bummed that they did that. But then again, when they went and they were like, well, you get to choose. And Kaylee's like, oh, I get to choose. (laughs) Thank you. And then she sends them packing because she's Kaylee fucking Jones. I like that she reacted that way, but I still want her and Roy to be together because they were so great. And, you know, we should probably talk about that article that you sent me from Collider because I felt like it was really on the money and I feel like it was so apt specifically as it spoke about the Roy Keeley thing.
0: So before we get to it, I'll throw in some more pretext. Jamie told Keeley he still loved her in the funeral episode, but he apologized to Roy who forgave him. Then... At the beginning of the season, when Jamie found out that Roy broke up with Keeley, he tried to comfort him with a hug. So, like, it seemed like they were past all of that. So, it just, I don't know, it just felt really contradictory for the writers to say, oh, like, quote-unquote, you guys, the Ted Becker shippers just wanted them to get together because you're socially conditioned because the male and female leads get together. But then, he's like, oh, yeah, we, we, we did a love triangle trope. Like, it just...
1: Yeah, which which tropes are okay, and which tropes are not okay. And why are there different rules for one relationship than another? Yeah, I get it. I totally with you there.
0: People have said before that they foresaw Keely ending up quote unquote, alone. She would probably prefer the term independent because in episode 103, and in the Independent, Ted says she's a young woman whose relationship does not define her.
1: Yeah, she's Keely, Keely Jones, the independent woman.
0: But I would say that they spent most of season three on her relationships instead of her career, which was the main reason she left AFC Richmond. So it felt like there was zero buildup for this decision, especially like when her and Roy hooked up, we didn't see Keely taking her back. So then the week after in Mom City, we were surprised and I'm sure many others were probably surprised as well that they just called themselves friends because like the main criticism with this season They didn't show the part where Keeley actually took him back and then any of the after effects of that, the awkwardness of presumably why Keeley switched stances because you remember when they told Phoebe that they broke up, Keeley said that they were on a break. But in the most recent interactions, it definitely seems like Roy's the one that wants it more and Keeley's apprehensive. So like with such a switch in perspectives, like there should be some more context to that. But instead, we're just left filling in the blank in our heads for the stories.
1: I feel like they let us see more about how she talked about Jack than talking to Rebecca about Roy. It's like they traded one for the other.
0: That's a really good point. She never talked about Roy again with Rebecca, and you think that they would, since they're so close. And of course, Rebecca was a catalyst in getting Roy to quote unquote wake up.
1: We didn't really get to see any of that. It all happened off camera. And I really do wish if I had it all my way, I would go back, boot Jack, and I would would have the falling out with roy and keely given to us in much more depth so we could see all those moments because if it was going to be about keely's relationships anyway instead of her being independent and you know getting kind of siloed off into kjpr land why didn't we get that if that was indeed the purpose why would they make it all about her relationship makes no sense to me
0: when people ask me my favorite characters i get pretty specific i say keely jones in season one and I think now that we're at the end of the series, I think it's, for me, at least, it's safe to say that season by season, like, we, quote unquote, lost a bit of Keely. Like, I don't think I ever really saw that same joy she had in that first season.
1: I feel like season two was good for Keely. I liked that we got to know her better. I liked that we saw her personality expand and we got to watch her rise to be in the magazine and we got to see how amazingly well she and Roy supported one another actually feel like we got more in-depth Keely in season two, but I did love her in season one. I thought she was wonderful. I mean, I'm a big fan of Keely Jones in general. I was actually shocked to read one reviewer call her ditzy and I was like, that's my girl you're talking about there. Those are fighting words. I was not okay with it. I love Keely and I love Juno. And without all of what happened, we wouldn't get the amazing Rebecca Keely and then sassy triad, which I loved. That trio rocked. I mean, in the funeral episode, they were so great. It was so hilarious. We got to go a little bit deeper. We lost her in season three and I feel like what they replaced it with wasn't better.
0: So you said that you do wish that they had shown more of the Roy Keely stuff so then... I guess my question to that is like, you seem like you're satisfied if not happy with the finale. So I guess that's kind of not making sense to me. If you think they still left stuff on the table, but still happy that they did?
1: Here's why. And it's completely determined on whether or not they give us anything more. Because in my mind, I feel like they left it open enough for us to imagine what could happen, right? That's the only reason. Because in my mind... I've taken these characters on a journey that I like. That's not that they gave us that, but they didn't shut it down to the degree of there's no more. I hope that makes sense. They definitely just left it open. And so in my little romantic wishful heart, I am imagining that they get back together, that I can see all the depth of things that happened. And if it comes down to them saying, nope, you don't get any more. We're done with all of this. There's no spinning off. There's no more in the future for any character that started off in the Lassoverse. Then I will be upset. Then I'll be bummed. But until that happens, I am choosing to remain curious and open because they really haven't slammed the door on us. I feel like, as I've been saying, they left it ajar. Does that make it make more sense to you?
0: You have an incredible imagination where you can just continue to tell the stories of these characters out for yourself.
1: I absolutely do. It was actually something that got put on most of my report cards as a kid. So yes, indeed, I will definitely agree to that. And you know, I'm not gonna give up on my people because of this. I'm I'm gonna hold out a hopeful thought about it all. And then I give you carte blanche to tell me that you told me so if it indeed does go the way that I don't want it to go. All right, I'll give that to you. Everybody's listening, right? I just told Kevin, I gave him carte blanche to say, I told you so.
0: To quote my girl Barbara, I won't say it, but I'll be thinking about it. So some have termed Ted and Rebecca as one of the greatest love stories never told. In terms of Roar and Keeley, I would say that one of the most enjoyable relationships I've seen. So I do wish that they did somehow end up together.
1: Yeah, me too. I was really super salty when they broke them up. I was definitely one of the people who said, no, 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 they're not breaking up from season two to season three. And I was wrong. I was pretty salty. They took away my Roy and Keely and I was not too happy about that. And they really didn't. I mean, it's also a love story that went untold because we didn't get to see any of it. The thing I think they failed to do in season three was tell enough of the story or show us enough of the story as the case may be, they told us a lot, but they didn't show us very much. And isn't that kind of a cardinal sin in screenwriting? You show, you don't tell. And they spent a lot of time telling us instead of showing us, which is what I realized I missed so much about the first and second season because they showed us far more than they told us. And so that was a switch. That was a switch up for me.
0: Which paradoxically is preposterous since the run times are twice as long as season 1 and and 1.5 times as long as season 2.
1: Yeah, it makes no sense. I think really looking back, and it's really easy for us to play armchair quarterback after it's all said and done. But again, the subplots and bringing in all these extra side quests didn't further the story. I mean, I know it's also a a screenwriting thing to bring in an act to a bunch of people that don't necessarily move the plot forward. But if this was the last season, you would think that they would have stuck to what worked. The tried, the true. I do like Barbara, though. I'm really glad we got Barbara.
0: And Keeley seems even more stoked since KJPR has rebranded to KBPR.
1: I'm super stoked for our guy Roy. Really happy. We got to meet his sister. We got a little dose of Phoebe back. I feel like that was kind of the final nail in the coffin for Roy being, oh my God, I'm so dumb. (laughs) I need to change. Because he realizes if he continues to react the same way he's always reacted about things, that he's never gonna make change and have have more of what he wants so i'm hoping that in him asking for help and him then going to therapy he's definitely on the road to making those permanent changes where he doesn't act like just grumpy roy with a knee-jerk no to everything and he kind of comes along and evolves along with with jamie and the rest of the crew that's doing such great growth
0: speaking of jamie what do you think of his scene in the ending montage where he's at the rehab facility, all smiles with his father.
1: I love that. I think that even as an older person, getting to connect with your dad and trying to make a relationship based in the present and moving forward, there's value in that. You know, it's definitely something that is worth it because that person is always going to be a part of you. I like that they gave Mr. Tart a second chance. I really thought that was lovely and I'm happy.
0: I'm all about second chances too, but you can make the argument that he was even worse than Rupert, because at least Rupert, he has that charm that kind of tricks people into thinking he's nice-like, as Jade would say, but with James Tart Sr., there was no niceness whatsoever. So I guess to kind of go back to the whole theme of just telling and not showing, it also seems like kind of asking the audience a lot to just trust that he's all good now and not being able to see any of that, but just assume that it is the case.
1: Well, I think also, if you're going to just decide that everything is okay now, rather than saying, oh, Jamie and his dad are connecting, it doesn't mean that everything is okay. But also, I think the big important part that that bears noting is that he was in rehab. As a person with an alcoholic father myself, once your dad goes through the steps to get some help, it makes a big difference. Jamie's dad is in rehab and that can make all of the difference in the world because somebody will definitely behave under the influence in ways that they wouldn't behave not under the influence. And addict behavior is definitely a difficult thing to grapple with. I'm going to say it's nice. Maybe Jamie is just dipping his toe in and having good boundaries around it because he has evolved so much. And hopefully in those small moments, because if he's still in rehab and Jamie's visiting him, it's not like they were able to hang out a ton for a very long time. So I'm hoping that they're slowly paving the way back to having an actual relationship or, you know, for the first time back to have or, you know, getting into a a new relationship based on the fact that James Sr. is getting healed and Jamie is an evolved human being that can hopefully understand and deal with it accordingly in a healthy way.
0: Thank you for providing some context and sharing your story, Chrisanne.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know that was a lot to share, but it's something that some of us deal with that I think Ted Lasso has helped to normalize all of these human failings and made us all realize that even if we deal with mental health issues, there's always help and you're still worthy. You know, Even if you mess up, you're not bad if you're dealing with any of these things because it's just part of being a human. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts Ted Lasso has given us all, right? I do think Jamie's storyline was one of the ones they got so right, though. We got to see it moment by moment, and we got to see it as it was happening rather than just learning about it in the aftermath, like so many other storylines. So I will say, bravo, that was something I enjoyed. Jamie is still a prick, right? And he still has that in his bones, and in, in who he is. Still progress to be made, still work to be done. Nobody's perfect.
0: You say that Jamie's still a prick, but I honestly can't recall that many, if any, instances this season. I guess one thing that stood out to me was when they're about to go to Man City in the Mom City episode, and Roy's like, we need you to be the prick you are, and he starts crying. In the game, he wasn't a prick at all. you recall in season two, when they gave him the signal, he started like being a prick, like roughing up the other players, but he did none of that. So I don't, actually don't buy that, that he's still a prick.
1: Welp. He showed that he was when he really gave it to Roy. I mean, and I also feel like fighting over a girl kind of brings out uh, maybe some of the worst potential behavior from people, men specifically. I'm not writing Jamie off just because he behaved poorly, but he's clearly still a prick if he's going to do that to his buddy. That was a, that was a, ooh, get him. And I think the more people become close. Sometimes you learn somebody's buttons to push. And so he definitely pushed Roy's button. He definitely knew that that was going to be the thing that caught Roy most off guard. And he went and he did it.
0: For me that the fact that it happened in the last episode just seemed like could have done without a.
1: Maybe. I'm not necessarily mad that it happened. I'm just mad that they didn't get Keely and Roy back together to begin with. So I was generally unsatisfied with the arc anyway, you didn't give me my Kaylee and Roy back. I kind of just gave up having any more expectations about it. And so, you know, and I really didn't have a lot of expectation going into the last episode anyway. I was just kind of waiting to see what they would give us. Why won't you, <laughs> why won't you let me be happy, Kevin? To quote <laughs> one Roy Kent.
0: As for another Apple TV slash Bill Lawrence slash Brett Goldstein show, to quote Jason Segal's character on Shrinking, Jimmy, why won't you just let me be miserable, Chrisanne? Our agendas are at odds. Hopefully, we'll be in agreement for Jamie's performance on the pitch since he had another magnificent man of the match performance, being the key cog for all three goals. And speaking of which, Ren pointed out on Twitter that Jamie's usual icon hat had actually been changed to I comma cog. And then I later noticed when I was watching that Arlo called Jamie a key cog of the whole total football scheme. So I really enjoyed that reference.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. I do so love watching them play football. It makes me so happy. I mean, we know that the show really wasn't about football. It was about relationship. But watching them do that just makes me so happy. And to quote Sassy, I mean, who doesn't love watching fit sweaty men running around chasing each other?
0: Well, apparently Barbara, unless there's blood involved, (laughs) it was hilarious seeing John Wingsnade
1: get smashed in the face. Yeah because we all wanted to smash him in the face.
0: First getting shade thrown at him at the ticket booth and then getting smashed in the face. I will say though that Isaac taking the penalty was, most of us had that same reaction that he did. What the fuck, bruv? Yeah. Like, at least for last season's finale, it made sense because Danny had the yips from killing Earl the Greyhound, and then it's shown Jamie's growth and friendship with Danny by giving the ball to him. But with Isaac, there's just, like, zero buildup to that. It's just more random than anything.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit random, but since Isaac smashed the heck out of the ball and went totally bonkers, I liked it. I mean, I love that Isaac McAdoo. I loved seeing him get to take the last penalty kick, but it was random. Again, that suspension of disbelief thing and kind of got to ride that wave.
0: That's where it's kind of hard for me to do that because they preach these like very real things like mental health, therapy, racism, homophobia, but then to have to suspend belief for like random things like this, it's kind of like swinging on a pendulum. I don't know if that point made sense.
1: It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for me, I just kind of take it as it comes. I don't necessarily know that there there's a hard and fast way that I'm thinking about it. I'm open.
0: So when they first tore up and got rid of the belief sign early in the season, did you think that it'd come back?
1: I was hoping that it would, I was kind of hoping that one day Ted would walk in and they would have all of their individual signs that they had made all over the locker room, but I love the way they did it. I love it. I like it better than my version of the story because they all took a little piece of it with them because they couldn't bear to be without it. And they took it as their little talisman and I thought it was beautiful. And that Jamie actually fished his book out of the trash or got another copy of it, which I thought was outstanding. I love that they put that little moment in there.
0: Yeah, and how some of the other key players kept it in important places for them. So Sam, of course, loves the Nigerian national team. So his was, of course, behind the photo of that. And then Isaac's was tucked into his armband.
1: Yeah, I noticed that too. I thought that was lovely.
0: And we had a listener before on our first ever, we've got mail asking what number four was. And in hindsight, it's Kind of can't believe no one guessed that belief would be number four.
1: Yeah, it does seem like it would be an obvious number four, and I'm glad it finally fell into place in just the right way.
0: Speaking of falling into place, having Nate back along with his artistic skills definitely helped with repairing the belief sign as well.
1: It sure did. Yep, he did a great job, and I love the little callback of Jamie actually putting something extra into the box, but this time it was more cash. The first time we ever see a box, they're taking up a collection. For Sam's birthday, and Jamie sticks his gum in the box. Minty, to make it smell nice. Were you going to say that?
0: Stealing my lines until the very end, Chris Morgan.
1: That is my job. I did really want to hear Ted give a very, very epic last speech.
0: Well, he kind of gave a halftime one-ish. But for me, I wanted the other way around. Each of the players to tell how much they meant to him. I think that was kind of really missing and one of my many, many gripes about the finale.
1: Yeah, you've got some you got some access to grind, my friend, but that would have been fabulous. That would have been really nice to see. That would have been lovely. I love I I did enjoy the video. It made me it made me weepy. The believe sign made me weepy. When Ted said there's no place like home, and he really drove the I'm going back to Kansas with it, but said there's really no place like richmond afc either that was that was that was a chef kiss chef's kiss moment for me
0: if for some reason people wanted to have a drinking game while listening to our podcast taking a shot while chrysanne says chef's kiss probably would be one of the things
1: or when i laugh
0: no they would get alcohol poisoning
1: (laughs) (laughs) what did we think of isaac being the judge at the beginning and assigning fines to people?
0: At this point, y'all probably think that my expectations might be unrealistic, but if you mention an end-of-season party for the team with a live band karaoke and not show to us.
1: Yeah, it really does. Come on, karaoke has been one of the things that's been our favorite thing about them. And again, telling us and not showing us.
0: Do you agree with Judge McAdoo's ruling about lack of birthday wish fine for Danny?
1: I do. If you can't be bothered to do anything but press the little heart button and you can't actually type out, happy birthday, you get a fine. Although Danny was probably too busy with all of his women.
0: Yeah, that was another callback.
1: It was another callback. So many callbacks. Did you at least enjoy the callbacks, Kevin?
0: I always enjoy the callbacks. Come on.
1: All right. Okay. Just checking.
0: Although for Zorro, that's more of like a full circle moment than a callback.
1: It is kind of a full circle moment. I liked that. I didn't expect the show to be as testicular as it was. (laughs) So many balls on the field, none the least of which was Beard in a banana hammock.
0: So early in the season, you were wondering if we would get a rule of three for guy butts. Does that count? Or is that more like a two and a half?
1: It totally counts. You know I love my coach Beard.
0: And then we got another callback with Mina the cleaner dropping her broom after being shocked by some sexual exploits and starting the guest room instead.
1: I did see that very eagle-eyed Twitter user, who I think is Alyssa, saw that Rebecca didn't close her robe all the way until Beard and Jane walked in.
0: Teasing the Ted Becca shippers till the end.
1: We can't help ourselves. We keep going back to Ted Becca. So staying on point here with the team, I thought the game was brilliant. I wanted to see the karaoke as well. We needed to see that party. And then it was kind of shocking to me that instead of seeing any of what happens after they just put us right in the airport with Ted, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's kind of how I felt the whole episode when they started off right in the goodbye sequence with the boys performing So Long, Farewell, which was so brilliant and so well done. And you know what? So many people have called it hokey. That's actually a superpower in the Ted Lasso verse in my heart and in my mind that the hokey things are the things that are so great, right? I mean, come on. That's what makes Ted Lasso awesome. The cheesy bits, the corny bits.
0: I think part of it was that it seemed like it went a lot longer than some of the other bits do. Like, I think the, the Bye 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 was quite a bit shorter.
1: Yes, the Bye 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 was much shorter because it was just a couple of bars. I love that they did very similar choreography, though, to the actual musical. I liked it personally, but I eat that stuff up with a spoon.
0: I would almost agree with some of those detractors that it was almost a tad too twee.
1: I can't make you like something. Just don't yuck on my yum.
0: Also here for Colin getting to kiss his fellow like he told Trent that he wanted to.
1: I love that. I love the callback to Ted leaving tickets for Roy and Michael getting to pick up his tickets under the name Winona Judd. Another fun callback. You know, the episode wouldn't have felt right if we didn't get Ted dancing in the center of the players after the match. Thank God they didn't take that away from us.
0: Although it would have been better if they won the whole fucking thing.
1: It would have been pretty great had they won the whole fucking thing. But remember, Ted Lasso has always been an underdog story. So they're kind of still the underdogs. And I love a good underdog story. So I'm not mad about it.
0: So, Chrisanne, would you believe me that Ted and Rebecca not getting together is actually not the thing that bothered me the most about this finale?
1: Ooh, well, I'm intrigued. Tell me more.
0: So, Rebecca Welton is literally the first person we see in the series. She divorced Rupert Mannion, who was a cheater and abusive. At the end, we see Beard Mary Jane. Brendan was trying to, like, split hairs and the Reddit AMA, saying that, oh, she's not abusive, she's just toxic. But I think that's just different sides of the same coin toxic is still pretty bad so for a show that preaches kindness and mental health what kind of message does it send if the only couple that has a happy ending is beard and jane
1: well first i don't think they're the only couple that had a happy ending i think there are many couples that had a happy ending but like red and her boyfriend from beards night out and michael and colin
0: i meant the major couples
1: I mean, we didn't really see Jane abusing Beard. They were just very flaky and on and off again.
0: In this episode, she shredded his passport to try to get him to stay. That is literally a crime.
1: Let's not clutch our pearls just yet. He didn't want to leave anyway. I don't know. I think that was just the show using hyperbole. I mean, I think that was just hyperbole about how much she loves him and doesn't want him to leave. He doesn't want to leave her either. So that didn't really bug me. I'm not going to try to analyze every tiny little thing because the one thing that they did nail is that Beard's baggage and Jane's weird baggage do go together pretty well and they love each other. And even though we can look on and be like, whoa, If Beard tells us that he's happy and he wants to be with her, I'm just going to be the one that's like, all right, buddy, as long as you're happy, I'm okay. And since he never really seemed incredibly unhappy about her, I don't know how abusive it truly was. I mean, I didn't really feel like I saw a lot of abuse happening.
0: Because it was mostly told to us rather than shown. Well, we saw the passport shredded, but like, we only heard that she threw his keys into the river or locked him out of his apartment or that she stalked people. But some things we did see was in Beard After Hours, she went fucking crazy and sent him 50 messages and 70 calls and then threatened to break up with him because he didn't reply back to his I love you that he wanted.
1: But is that abusive? It might be outlandish, but is it abusive?
0: All right, if you're asking it, then I have to pull it up, pull up the receipts. Hold on.
1: I'm no, I'm saying you don't have to pull up receipts, Kevin. Is that abusive behavior?
0: Kenna on Twitter said, Jane isn't abusive. Four question marks, not one. LMAO. Brendan, I work with women getting out of abusive relationships all day long. Let me tell you, Jane is the textbook definition of abusive and controlling and emotionally manipulative.
1: She's definitely. Assigning things that she knows about in the real world to Jane that we haven't necessarily been shown, but okay. She never, the thing that we never did see though, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, is that we never saw her doing things like put him down, call him names. Everything that she did was in service to how much she loved him.
0: She went on coffee dates with underwear models to make him jealous. Tell me how that's in benefit of Beard.
1: We don't know that she was doing that to make him jealous on purpose. That wasn't ever shown in the episode. She just went to hang out with a uni friend. I think she was being clueless. It didn't seem like she was doing that intentionally. I think we got to see Beard be insecure and grapple with that.
0: She stalked Ted. She thought that she was shagging Beard. And there was another point this season where Ted says something about, oh, did you tell Jane or something like that? He's like, no, she's not. She's like, she's not comfortable knowing how close we are or something.
1: Yes. I just don't see how that's abusive in the way that Rupert was abusive to Rebecca. It maybe is bad behavior. I'll grant you that. It maybe is not. The best way to treat somebody but if beard digs it beard wants to be with her then all right that's what i'm gonna and i've watched many people date people that i'm not super excited about them dating so there you go i think that all we can do is kind of wish them the best and hope they get their shit together and they that jane calms down a little bit i love debating the points with you I'm not even saying that you're wrong. I just feel the need to be devil's advocate and look at it from both sides. All
0: right. How's this one? If the roles were reversed, people would be calling the cops.
1: Tell me more. Why would they be calling the cops? What did Jane do that was calling the cops worthy?
0: Not to beat a dead horse, but literally shredding a passport is a crime. So that would warrant calling the cops.
1: If Beard truly wanted to go and she was keeping him from leaving, then I would say I agree with you. But because he wanted to stay, I'm going to say, all right. She's a lunatic, but I don't think we need law enforcement to intervene here. Because there's always like, uh, she threw my keys into the river. Oh, you know, she did this. And I always kind of felt like it was just comedy.
0: That's what people are saying, that because the quote unquote person being abused is the male, they're making light of it for comedy.
1: I think that I am not in the take it so literally that I'm getting mad about it category of fan. I'm able to suspend my disbelief and just feel like Jane's got some baggage. Beard's okay with it. I don't know, I just, I find if there are things to get upset about, that's just not gonna be one of the ones that I spend a lot of energy on. I was bored with their storyline just because it seemed like it was just always doing the same thing and they weren't giving us any growth or differences to the characters. Part of the show's tenant, not only is it saying, Get your mental health in order, but also be accepting. Because Beard seems to like it. And because Beard has the baggage that he has, he doesn't seem to feel bad about being with Jane and he wants to be with her. That's a choice. And I'm not questioning that choice. I'm just letting Beard have what Beard seems to want because I don't need to make him healthy. I don't have that need. I don't need to sanitize it I don't need to control it you know I don't need to control that narrative and it doesn't make me mad it just is a thing just like I don't get mad that Jamie was a prick y'all can be mad about it my question is why
0: and I listed all the reasons why I thought that Jane was not good for him
1: right but that's all things that make Jane not right for you as a person and you wouldn't want to be in a relationship with someone who does that but beard seems to eat it up with a spoon
0: Okay, see, now this is not just about me. I've seen scores of women saying the similar thing about how Jane and Beard getting together is not a great look in terms of the message for the show. So it's not just my feelings on this.
1: I'm not saying that other people don't feel that way too. I'm just saying Beard tends to dig it. And I feel like those are pretty low key things in terms of actual abuse.
0: Again, you're calling an actual crime low-key.
1: Suspension of disbelief. It's still a story, right? It's not real. If it was real, that would be something else entirely. And he doesn't want to leave. I already explained why I'm not taking it that seriously. Like, are we taking everything so literally in a show that's not real? I mean, that's the thing I think that people need to remember
0: And that kind of goes to my point. They preach all these very real things. So we can't just kind of like pick and choose what should be taken real and literally versus not, right?
1: How about this? Bear with me here. They don't preach. I don't feel like they've ever been preachy. I feel like they have touched on some very important things. And we get to pick and choose what we want to take from that, whether it's something that resonates with us or something that doesn't resonate with us. I don't think oh it's a bad look you can't you can't show somebody in a in a relationship that I don't agree with and then also talk about mental health you absolutely can. People are big and complex and complicated.
0: So to kind of bring in the perspectives of other characters on the show about Jane. It feels like most of the times they brought her up the guys, the Diamond Dogs kind of gave like type of vibe so and then of course there was the one episode where higgins brought up the fact that no one was saying anything to beard about her and then he kind of did it himself but then beard was just like thanks for bringing it up but not gonna listen to you
1: yeah i think that's kind of what's formed my take on the situation I mean, yes, they talk about mental health and yes, they did address the fact that they have a weird and unusual relationship that might not always be for the best. But like Ted did say, oh, y'all's baggage just fits together so well, don't it? Sometimes it can be really hard to watch your buddy do stuff that you think is not right for them. But then you have the you know, we just, we love and accept beard because we love and accept beard. And we're just going to put up with his weird relationship because we care about him. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to judge him too hard. We don't say anything about it. I think they addressed that really well on the show when Ted talked about it. And then of course there was the conversation that they had in Rebecca's box. So when the three of them talk about Jane while they're watching the match, Rebecca says, oh, she's a little bit intense. And I see her lurking about in the car park, but she's generally pretty harmless. So it's kind of left up to us to decide what we think about it. And yeah,
0: I would also say that Rebecca probably doesn't know every single questionable thing that Jane has done either.
1: She might not. I think that the characters all look at Jane somewhat askance. I am just, for me, and only for me, I'm not trying to tell anybody how they should think or feel about the Beard and Jane thing at all. I'm just kind of accepting it in the sense of I'm a friend of Beard who thinks she, you know, she might not be the best partner for him, but also some people really dig drama. You know, if Beard had a crazy childhood, which we know that he had, some people thrive on that type of thing and they enjoy that. So if he was constantly complaining about it, no, I got to leave her. I got to leave her. And then he never left her. I think they would have a different reaction to him. I think they're all like, oh, yeah, OK, maybe parenthood will help them get their shit together. Jane is pregnant in the finale. So
0: I'm sending my prayers to that baby right now.
1: We already know how how the parents fuck you up. They fuck you up, your mom and dad.
0: I'm hoping this next part about the beard storyline, we can hopefully agree about why the fuck was Ted not at Beard's wedding.
1: I think because it happened so quickly after Ted left that there wasn't the right time for Ted to leave and go back to England. And again, just drawing on Brendan's AMA, they're the type of friends that cannot go to their, you know, each other's weddings and still be really good friends. I have friends like that that I don't live close by to, that I can't make every single event they have gone on. But I think that Ted and Beard are so bonded that even if Ted didn't show up to the wedding, they're still going to be bonded and close because I think that there are certain friendships that we have that just transcend that stuff. That's how I'm understanding it based on what I've taken in.
0: Well, in the now infamous AMA from Brendan, I believe he says something along the lines of, probably at one of Henry's soccer games. No offense, Henry, but I think that Beard's wedding would probably be a bit more important than your game.
1: Not necessarily. Again, as a parent, I kind of have a parent's outlook on stuff. And since he just got back, leaving again and going back to England, especially if it was kind of like, we're getting married next week, it makes sense. Maybe they got married, so you know, they decided to get married so quickly that Ted really just didn't have the time to get it together, to go back for it.
0: Speaking of not having enough time, feels like the team there could use used a bit more because I think Brendan also said in the AMA that it was not Apple's fault that the finale got pushed back three hours, but I think they had some issues with submitting the episode.
1: Yeah, I guess he said that they were working on it to the very last minute because of all the FX. He said there was like 100 shots in season one's finale with all of the soccer playing and there were 600, 600 VFX shots needed for... Season three's finale. It's a pretty big increase. It's a lot of extra work. I was glad to know, by the way, that that was the case. It made it feel a little bit less bad. Would have been fun to know that at the time, though.
0: As for something else that could have used some more VFX shots, that CGI, ooh, that did not look great.
1: The CGI of Stonehenge? Yeah. I must not have been paying super close attention, or maybe I was just crying. It didn't affront my senses that way. I wasn't, I didn't feel like my senses were assaulted by bad CGI. I do absolutely love that they had Red and her hubby there because they turned out to be so important to Beard's arc during Beard's Night Out. And I I really love that they came back in and were present for the wedding. Beard wouldn't have his awesome pants were it not for Red.
0: Speaking of Beard and awesome, as soon as Ted called them Willis, I knew that sounded familiar. And then someone on Twitter pointed out that in 201... Head said the famous phrase from Different Strokes What you talking about, Willis? We've actually quote unquote known Beard's name for a little bit now. They did a good job of hiding it.
1: Those of us born in the mid to late 70s will always just think that was a thing he said. So I never would have guessed it, but I think it's hilarious that his name is Willis.
0: When Beard started correcting Trent's draft in like a nanosecond, I now kind of wonder if that was like maybe trying to overcompensate for Jamie pointing out that his English was wrong with hypocritical versus ironic, because he dove into that pretty fast.
1: It's interesting to me that Ted said, it's not about me, it never was, but it really was about Ted. I mean, without Ted as the crux of everything, without Ted as the hub, none of the spokes would be able to do their jobs because he affected them so profoundly. You know, he changed everybody. The ripples outward from Ted really helped all of those people get to their places of self realization because of Ted.
0: I'll just say to that the show is called Ted Lasso, not AFC Richmond. So,
1: yep. But isn't it just like Ted to say, it's not about me? That's a pretty Ted thing to say. The book, however, was really about them as an ensemble, and it's an ensemble cast. But I do feel like it would never have been a thing if it wasn't about Ted.
0: And now it's time for our favorite part of the podcast, the awards. Chris-Ann and I both love Ted Lasso, despite what I'm saying this episode, and we're nice people. Each week we give out awards in a variety of fun categories. First up, MVP.
1: MVP! MVP! This might be a little bit obvious, or maybe not digging deep enough into the episode, but honestly, I'm giving it to George. He has made it off of my twatty list and into much better territory because he wouldn't succumb to Rupert and be moved to take Jamie out. He protected our boy, he told Rupert to fuck off, and I count George as a good guy for that.
0: Did we ever officially give him Wanker of the Week?
1: I think I may have.
0: So then, that's got to be the first person who's ever went from a wanker to a MVP.
1: Maybe, yeah. Who's your MVP, Kev? I'm dying to know.
0: For my MVP, I'm giving it to the boss as bitch herself, Rebecca Welton, because although she sold 49% of the team, it went to the fans, and as we saw, some of the biggest fans of Richmond, May, Baz, Jeremy, and Paul. They all got shares as well, and seems like she's excited about the idea of potentially even starting a women's team, so hats off to Rebecca Wilton. Although, it seems like she prefers her hats on. Now for the other end of the spectrum, the wanker of the week. Let's see what we got here. Wanker.
1: There can only be one in my book, and he was just the outright villain the whole time, Rupert.
0: And seems like the Richmond fans also agree with you on that one.
1: They really do. They turn the tables. They turn the tables. And I think that even though I didn't relish that he got called that, he had a fitting end.
0: Our next award celebrates proficiency in profanity, excellence in expletives, virtuosity in vulgarities. It's the Roy Kent Cussing Award. Fun. That's fun, isn't it? The actress who played the flight attendant at the end, and technically the one at the beginning of the season, Alice Bertain, on Twitter said, I got to call the nicest man on television a fucking arsehole.
1: My Roy Kent Cussing Award goes to May for when she's talking to Deborah in the pub and says, gives Rebecca Guff essentially about lying awake at night thinking about how fucking easy they've had it. I thought that was so hilarious.
0: That you're going to make me cry Ward.
1: It was definitely a multiple sobbing episode for me, but the one that impacted my heart the most. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, that my favorite thing about Ted Lasso is crying and then laughing through my tears. It's always going to be that for me. It's always going to be that magical combination. It was the belief sign, putting the belief sign back together. That one really got me.
0: My word fits your criteria perfectly as well. It was when we saw the video from the coaches. Some of the clips, I would say, almost certainly are from the cast's personal experience and not just shot specifically for the show. And like I said last week, losing Ted Lasso is kind of like a double whammy because both this amazing show and, in my opinion, the best cast ever. So I was just waterworks there because, like, especially on social media and Instagram, everyone's kind of, like, essentially posting their own so-long farewells. uh, Just...
1: It was so much fun to interact with the cast on social media and they were really lovely about interacting with fans too. So yeah, it is kind of the double whammy.
0: The- I've always found it in Step Brothers. The word.
1: For me, it was when Roy and Jamie were standing outside of Keely's house after she'd shut the door in their faces and Jamie turns to Roy and said, are you hungry? <laughs>
0: Mine was when Ted and Beard were on the plane, and Beard devises his escape plan and starts shrieking in pain. But then Ted's like, "Other side coach," because like when Beard first started, like he seemed like he planned this whole thing out. So then the kind of the curveball of not knowing where the appendix is was hilarious. And then the way Ted said it, it's like so matter-of-factly. And then just on a nicer note, just their potential last encounter shows one of them helping the other, which is perfect. Now for the award that's all about fashion.
1: She's fucking fat! I'm gonna call out the one that I love so much because of its significance. My award is going to Ted and Rebecca together because they were wearing the same outfits in their last scene together as they were wearing when they first met. So not only is it a callback, but it's also about their fashion. So for my corner kick today, I just want to talk about how I feel like Ted Lasso took us from one place to a better place and how I think that Ted Lasso brought out the best in everybody that it touched. It had to. I'm so grateful for Ted Lasso and I'm grateful not just because they made a show that I love so much, but for all of the ripples of goodness that happened in my life. I met Kevin and I met a bunch of other people who are wonderful and who are really good friends of mine now because of the show. I also had some great interactions with the cast when I was sick. I still have cancer, but when I was first diagnosed, they made me get well videos because I have a friend who is friends with Anna. And if you don't know about those yet, please do check them out. We talk about it in our first podcast that we did together, Kevin and I, and I have them posted on my Instagram so you can find out that these people aren't just wonderful on screen, they're also really wonderful in, in real life. And they all took a moment to help out a fellow human being and cheer me on at a really low point in my life. And they that made a huge difference for me. Those things that can be so small that you don't really realize that they're big are, are big. And human kindness is really worth everything, even if you don't think that it is. Human kindness is is really the way that the world works. And keeps us all going. Thank you, Ted Lasso. I'm so grateful that we got to experience this and we got to experience you and for everything that you've given us. It was a really, really beautiful ride. I hope there's more, but I'm really glad that we got the ride that we got.
0: And last but not least, since I'm a writer and I love Ted Lasso, it's Kevin's Kick-Ass Line of the Week. And it goes to the wisest of the Tall yodas, Higgins, when he said, human beings are never going to be perfect, Roy. The best we can do is to keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you can keep doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. So although humans might not be perfect, that was.
1: I do love that Roy chimed in with, Billy Joel's the stranger.
0: And that quote also serves as an exquisite encapsulation of one of Ted Lasso's key lessons. And now it's time for added time. The final whistle is about to blow on this podcast episode. So we're giving you some nuggets of noteworthy items. Although this time is so long, it could probably be called extra time. And if you don't get that, that's probably why soccer isn't popular in America. So when Ted was at the airport checking out the newsstands, we saw a lot of little fun Easter egg updates on some of these smaller characters. We saw Bex, we saw Miss Cakes, Zava, Shandy, Jack. Which one of those did you find the most enjoyable?
1: The Shandy one was kind of fun. I was pretty neutral about them, but I thought the Shandy one was funny.
0: Yeah, so if I split my kick-ass line of the week into profound and funny, a starfucker is born is a perfectly hilarious pun, so that would have won for that. So as I predicted last week, we saw the return of the ussy guy.
1: I like that we had him again. We also saw the return of Keely walking through the locker room, peeking through her hands over her eyes, saying, are you decent, just like she did in the pilot episode.
0: Well, I guess this is just our call to roll out all the callbacks. Speaking of the pilot episode, someone pointed out that when we see Roy's new office, he's putting black tape over a picture of brass And that was the ones that Phoebe drew. And then, of course, in the pilot episode, Ted did a similar thing over a poster of Keely.
1: I love that Jamie kind of threw his body spray, too. For whatever reason, that reminded me of the beginning of the series when Ted walked through and said, am I getting notes of Axe body spray? And looks around and pulls out somebody's bottle of Lynx. I know it wasn't the exact same thing that happened in the pilot, but it definitely reminded me that Lynx was part of the storyline in the locker room anyway. The Darsteiner beer that Jamie was representing when he and Keely broke up. He was a brunicorn. They were drinking that in the pub when he went out for a drink with Roy.
0: Good ass, Malfra.
1: You know how I be.
0: On Twitter, Patrick Reed tweeted at me that from the NBC commercials, there was a poster of keep calm and get fired up. And then Ted said that exact same thing during the match. Speaking of Ted, this is, I guess, maybe more of a potential reference than a direct callback. But when he walks in on Nate and scares the shit out of him... It reminded me of when Ted got the shit scared out of him when him and Isaac went to meet Roy.
1: Yes. Speaking of getting the shit scared out of oneself, the Keeley Roy trunk scene where he's standing in the parking lot and scares her. That was a callback. I mean, the wanker really, yelling wanker at Rupert was really a callback to Ted being yelled wanker at.
0: We also got a rule of three completion since Rebecca said, fuck me again. When Keely goes down to the coach's office to give... Beard and Ted, they're going away gifts. They're playing the keep you up paper game when Dr. Sharon first met them and they had that record of 1,236.
1: One of the callbacks that I thought was a little tiny bit of a heartbreaker was Ted asking Beard, is this nuts? And that's the same thing he asked Beard when they were on their way to Richmond. Oh, one of the ones that I thought was so lovely, and it's not really a callback so much as a nugget. When May adjusts the picture of Geronimo in the pub, it is a little nod to Sam adjusting the picture of Geronimo in his pub after Coach had gone. And I thought that was really sweet. For those of you who aren't old enough to be Cheers fans, it happened on the Cheers show, and Jason's uncle, George, went played a character On that show, I thought it was a lovely little acknowledgement of the comedy lineage that runs deep in Ted Lasso.
0: One final callback in one of the final scenes when they're all gathered at the Higgins' house, we see the littlest one with Nerf guns and Danny's right there with him too. who They had that epic duel in the Christmas episode. Speaking of seeing people we've seen before, it was also nice to see Shannon not once but twice
1: I'm so glad they brought her back at the end. I was like, yay, Shannon. And that she was with three girls that all seem to be kind of sporty. So I wonder if they will be candidates for the AFC Richmond Women's League.
0: So that's a perfect segue into our spinoff segments with the way they ended or not ended, there are a few ideas for some potential spinoffs. As Chrisanne just mentioned, there could be one maybe called Welton's Women with an AFC Richmond women's team, or maybe they could just go with Roy and the current male team and the Richmond way. What are your thoughts on watching potentially either of those?
1: I found it really fascinating that The team is owned by a woman and that Roy popped up the booby picture because it's a matriarchy. It's a matrilineal kind of situation run by women. So Welton's women would be great. I still want Roy and Nate and Beard to be part of it. So I would be on board.
0: We've kind of gone into the whole real life or nothing, but typically the men's and women's teams have different staffs.
1: But that doesn't mean... That Roy and Nate aren't in the building.
0: Well, I think the biggest question is similar to how Ted tried to leave Richmond so that they would be self sufficient. You mentioned earlier that this is obviously one of the better examples of an ensemble cast. So I guess what I'm trying to say is would you watch anything Ted Lasso related without one Jason Sudeikis
1: I would watch this cast. I would. I think it would be really fun, actually. If Rebecca has two teams, And then we just delve more deeply into the relationships of the people running the teams with her. I think that would be awesome. That's a workplace comedy I would watch.
0: So to give some more parameters to that question, I believe Hannah has said that she would only do more Ted Lasso if Jason is also there. So, But then without... Rebecca, I don't know how that could really work either.
1: Yeah, without Rebecca, that's kind of tough. But yeah, I did hear an interview where she said there's there's no Rebecca Welton without Ted Lasso.
0: So Hannah said there's no Rebecca without Ted, but apparently they end up going that way anyways. Sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it.
1: Not only are we Richmond till we die, but we are Ted Becca till we die. I would watch a show about a Premier League coach getting therapy with Dr. Sharon and running the team while honoring all of the women around him, that would be rad.
0: I've seen different variations on this, and I think it might be what would be most interesting to me personally is Roy and Jamie just go on weekly adventures doing fun shit. This seems like a recipe for success to me.
1: They could discover all of the windmills I would watch Roy and Jamie read.
0: Well, I mean, I think we'd all listen to Jamie read anything, period. (laughs) I saw a video on Pop Sugar, and they asked Phil, what was his favorite thing to say in Jamie's accent? And he said it was for sure poopé. And he said the reasoning behind that was he was just trying to make Brett laugh. I think
1: it's always been a bromance for those two. And I know that the cast members have said that it's not just working together. They have their friendships on and off the screen and they've been such a happy, tight-knit group that I'm sure it was hard for them all to close this chapter as well. When you're a part of a group that's such a wonderful group of humans working on such a cool thing, it has to be hard to let go of.
0: So before we go, I just want to give out a bunch of thank yous. So I never imagined I would have started a podcast, and a couple people that helped plant that seed into my head was Katie, who runs the biggest DOC account on Instagram, as well as our mutual friend Thea. And also wanted to shout out some of our other friends, Thea again and Jane, who have consistently supported our podcast along the way. To our producers, our very first one, Michelle, who has paid for all our music, including the awesome awards fanfare, and has gave us a lot of valuable insight. To Christian, who's subbed in quite a few times and done the video for some of the interviews that I've done, and to our current producer Camille, who makes our mess of recording into something that sounds listenable. <laughs> In episode two eleven, Beard said, trees work in harmony to share the sunlight, and that's exactly how the community of Ted Lasso podcast works as well. Peanut butter and biscuits have been super nice the whole time. Like when I was first researching like what mic to get, they gave me like the perfect recommendation. And then when we had to look for another producer, they helped spread the word for that. And the their soulmates podcast did that as well. The Coach Beards book club and the Underdogs podcast have also had some nice words for us. So thanks to you all for that. And we're super thankful for everyone who's listened, whether you were here when we launched last year or just tuned in last month or last week. And very grateful to everyone who's left a five star rating or review. Speaking of which, just wanted to give a quick shout out to Annie. So they said, great podcast for all Richmond fans alike. They put this an asterisk. Had to give the certified fresh after hearing my Canadian brother call on us. This is a great podcast with nearly as much heart as the show itself. Two friends dissecting and discussing a show about friends, family, and of course, football. Their detailed analysis has helped me realize much more about the show than I ever thought was going on. The minds of these two great hosts helped me enjoy the show I already love so much. As always, onward, forward, Annie.
1: That's lovely. Thank you. Y'all, I just want to take a minute before we sign off for our final season three podcast and give Kevin his flowers because he works tirelessly on this podcast. He works tirelessly on everything that he brings. And I, for one, have been brought so much joy by Kevin's creativity and the ways he helped me to enjoy the show even more than I already did. So thank you for all of the joy and fun that you've brought into my life, Kev. I think you probably brought that to a lot of people. I just want to say that I think you're amazing, and I really love the way your mind works, and I love all of your memes. And it's been a real blast doing this podcast for you. You guys, I'm trying to uh, talk him into doing a rewatch with me of the entire series so you can hear us yammer about everything we think about seasons one and two as well but he hasn't succumbed to my will so stay tuned you might see more from us but you
0: might not appreciate the kind words chris and you have to try a little bit harder than that though (laughs) no on a serious note um i definitely could have done this podcast by myself you definitely like i said bring a different dynamic to what we have so i appreciate everything you've done as well
1: so glad that life crossed our paths buddy. I appreciate you so much.
0: And one final call to our listeners. If you haven't done so yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could please just take a quick minute to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As Chris Ann said, we put a lot of time and hard work into this and we don't make any money off of it. In fact, we're losing money on this. Plus, with an indefinite hiatus... Other Ted Lasso fans will probably be looking for other content to consume, so your ratings and reviews would help them find us. And it's the best way to convince us to do more podcast episodes. In the meantime, I'll still be posting my favorite scenes and memes over on Twitter, as well as Instagram, where I just reached over 100,000 followers. Just look up at Ted Lasso is life. Until next time, Greyhounds. Onward, forward.